When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Will the Thrill. Mm, greetings and salutations. You have a booming voice right now. Why don't you back up off that mic, hot stuff? I don't know. I'm just excited. Okay. It is my fervor for this new venture that is coming out and manifesting in a booming voice. Excellent. All right. And our other hostess with a mostess, hoster with a moster. Okay. You know what? I give up. TJ2, the deuce. How about hostama with your mama? Okay. All right. Um, I'm that's... poking into a giant teacup. How does that sound? It's a little strange. You are a strange man. You nice. are okay. strange, strange man. Anyway, before we get into what we're doing today, I will have to say with great sadness that. <laughs> I have to tell you that me and Will the Thrill have ascended to Whamhalla. In perhaps oh, record time. That was so fast. It was so fast. Yeah, it was like a blink. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm taking half the blame. I'm giving you half the blame. Okay. That's fair. Because I should have I, ushered you out of the store and said save yourself. Yeah, because we decided that we were gonna go to the Lodge Museum of Skillets. And because um, that's the thing we do. God, you, like, you two know how to party. <laughs> it was awesome i had it a great was, time i had a really good time we learned how skillets were made and then we bought a skillet it was great except for when we were standing in the middle of the aisle and will goes honey 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 i'm like what and he points up and i hear it all of a sudden and i'm like wouldn't have heard it if you hadn't brought it to my attention so that's half you half me mario well going into any store this time of year is a calculated risk it truly is yeah but especially, I, in, the, especially in the south where you live now but but then they yeah. went on to play another version of Last Christmas. They played Hillary Duff's version of Last Christmas. And then as we were leaving, they played it again. They played the Wham version again. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. Two times, yeah. They were really abusing it. <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyway, sorry to say, uh, if you had your odds on LD or Will of the Thrill, I'm sorry. You, you've lost. It was fast. It was furious. It happened in a blink. But just don't worry, we we didn't go painfully. We went doing what we love, buying a skillet at a weird museum. And I will add, if you had odds on me to begin Fine with... Fine in Tennessee. We died <laughs> doing what we love. If you had odds on me to begin with, I clearly cannot recommend you ever go to Vegas. I have never won this. I have never <laughs> won. So don't put your odds on me. I'm the horse that has polio, for God's sake. 
I'm um I'm still alive, but I, there's no way I'm making it to Christmas. It just can't happen. I'd, I'd be shocked. Your days are numbered. It's okay. The grizzly angel of death known as Andrew Ridgely is coming for me soon. I can feel it. Floating I mean, ominously. but the thing is, you already won. If anybody had odds on, you already won. You're already still in the game. You're good. So here we are. Will you tell us what we're doing here today? Why did you bring us here? I will say... We were supposed to do Thea's slap nuts, but unfortunately she had a small schedule hiccup and we're going to be recording that on Sunday. So it would not be ready for press by Monday. So we're doing this very early in the week. We usually don't record this early, but that's, that's a, that's what's going down right now. And actually before my brother tells you what to do, I think this is actually the best place that we can have our first sponsor break. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. And TJ will explain the insanity that is coming up over the next half hour. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And we are back. All right, T, take us, take us on a journey. All right. So what are we doing here today? Well, to quote our patron saint, Huey Lewis, we're going to go back in time. Nice. Going to go back in time. That's right. You can bring along your boy Sherman. You can utilize the flux capacitor to go back and help invent rock and roll and also make out with your mom. Maybe you'll get plopped down in the middle of the Wild West with Scott Bakula. Maybe you'll kidnap Napoleon and bring him back to modern times with Bill and Ted. Or you can just zoom to wherever and whenever with that guy from the Pizza Hut commercials in a hot tub. That's right. Mm. Rock and Roll Heaven, not so proudly, introduces to you PJ's Time Machine. That's right. This is a thing I mentioned as an offhanded comment, almost joking, a couple of episodes back. Because, you know, Thea has her own the special show now. And I just said, then we're going to do TJ's Time Machine because it's alliterative, which means it has lots of the T. And then we kicked the ideas around and now it's it's a real thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's a thing. And this week, we're going to go back to a time fraught with scary shape-shifting robot killers, flannel for people other than loggers and kids in footy pajamas, and discussion of oversized naughty bits on the Senate floor. Let's go back, everybody, to the year... 
1991. Ooh, what a year. We were barely yeah. 11 years old. My brother was actually 68 at the time. Um, right. Yep. You look great, I'd by the way. Yeah. Um, a few years beforehand, actually. But as we enter 1999, where do we start? Well, at the very beginning. We're still two years away from Pulp Fiction showing us that you could start in the middle or near the end. But you definitely sort of end at the beginning, but you yep. cuss a lot. And you do it all with a wristwatch shoved up your butthole. Anyway, we'll start at the traditional beginning, that being the song that was number one as the year began. It was one of the biggest, or from one of the biggest artists of the 1980s, one who had proved to have staying power through the 90s and into the 2000s. Now, this song and its accompanying video were both considered very controversial, and nobody has ever leveraged controversy into sales quite like the person who sang it, that being Mm -hmm. Madonna. Figured. Yep. This was the lead single from her greatest hits album, The Immaculate Collection. The song is about a woman, quote, releasing her inner freak. Okay. She doesn't really sing it. The vocal delivery is kind of almost spoken word. An accompanying video featured Madonna wandering down a corridor before being lured into a room to have sex with a man and a woman. There was androgyny. There was some girl-on-girl stuff, S&M. And about a nanosecond of a titty. Um, MTV would not play it. So Madonna played that to her advantage and released it as a video single. And here is a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. It became the first short film release in the United States to be certified multi-platinum. How's wow. about that? It is sold this... over 2 million copies in stores. Just Good a Lord. video of this music video. Now, can I, can I go precog on this with all the information sure. that you give me? Is it Justify My Love? That's a really good guess. But people should keep in mind, she had just played a very quickly banned Pepsi commercial into a seven-figure payday and used Mm -hmm. that to promote her Like a Prayer album into the absolute sales stratosphere. She also spoofed herself and this video on an episode of Wayne's World on Saturday Night Live. I remember this. Oh, yeah, that's right. Making out with Wayne Campbell in the same bedroom scene in the video while noting, quote, Look at the unit on that guy in reference to a seductively dancing leotard-clad offering. Uh-huh. So here it is. This is a song that started 1991 at number one. It was there for two weeks. And a good guess by LD. It's Madonna and Justify My Love. So now. 
Madonna's Justify My Love. You know, guys, that song seemed very sexual and sensual and naughty when it first came out, but you listen to it now and it kind of sounds like it's from the soundtrack of a Skinamax After Dark movie. It kind of does. It's like, totally. the, it's like, should be the end track of La Femme Nikita on USA on Saturday <laughs> nights. Now, didn't she yeah, release sort a of. sex book after that? It was the famous yes, she did. Yeah. She did. Mm-hmm. Which featured her provocatively posing with the likes of Big Daddy Kane, which is a funny name to have if you're in that book. And, <laughs> and I think Vanilla Ice. I I'm, think Vanilla Ice was in it. I'm not going to fight you on that. <laughs> so now Madonna, in addition to being a big recording star, obviously was also well into a film career at this point. And she was actually in two theatrical releases in 1991, including her Truth or Dare concert film documentary and Woody Allen's Shadow and Fog. I go ahead and tell you, the thing is, with Woody Allen, people either love him or hate him. I hate him. I I like one of his movies, just one, and it was basically a musical with Drew Barrymore and Edward Norton called Everyone Says I Love You. I don't don't think I've consumed anything else by Woody Allen. Well, it's on Broadway. Well, we saw the Broadway musical. We didn't see the movie. Oh, you haven't seen the movie. I've never seen seen the movie. movie and the musical. Yeah, no, I've never seen the movie. So I, I just, I think what he did was gross. If you disagree with me, you can send us an email at rockandrollheavenlt at gmail.com and put in the subject line, Hey, Travis. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. That was clearly not my voice. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, I'm not going to say good name, the name of Woody Allen. Fair. So, yeah, there but, is no Woody Allen does not have a good name. He is Not really. Um, no. But the fact that Madonna was in two movies this year gives us a nifty segue into looking at the top grossing films of 1991. Now, we're actually going to circle back to number one at the end, so we're going to skip it for right now. So I'm going to read off. We'll skiffle through the rest of the top 20. Any thoughts you have, you can drop in. The number two film of the year, gross 
for for and the just I did have to look at this because some of the numbers didn't look exactly right to me. This is only the money it made in the calendar year 1991. So if it was released in December, it's only going to reflect what was made for that month. Oh, and it may have made a hundred million more dollars in early 1992. Okay, Uh, but released in June of that year was the number two grocer, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where we found out that an English guy talks like a hillbilly from. Yeah, the accent I, is, uh, is something. I've heard that it's terrible, but which is worse? Is it is it the hillbilly from Texas in Robin Hood, or is it Keanu Reeves trying to be an Englishman in Dracula? They're, they're not, I feel like they're on the same level. And here's the thing. I'm always going to side with Keanu every time. So I'm going to say Costner. That's yep, fair. I'm team Keanu. Absolutely. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Um, <laughs> and that, that, that movie, of course, would have a soundtrack, which... I think had one song on it that featured words and that song was the number one hit of the entire year everything <laughs> i do for you i do i do for you by brian adams such a heart such a soul when you find me there you
everything I do, I do it for you. That's so great. Your yeah, love. I poop for you. I don't I blow think my that's... nose for you. I don't remember those lyrics. Your love, like David's lost... bridal. You know how Garth would do scratch, like scratch track. Yeah. You know how Garth would have like mysterious third verses. I think um, I think uh, Brian Adams had one. That was like the the cut the uh, cutting room floor. Yeah. Yep. Number three, one of one of my fa- perhaps my favorite of the entire year, Silence of the Lambs. Okay, good one. Can we hold for yep. one second? Okay. You know that everything I do, I do it for you, is almost a seven minutes song. <laughs> it's a long song, yeah. The full the full ver- the full album version is yes. So there's it, there's a part where it comes back to the piano part at the very end, and then they replay the chorus again. the The album version is very long, and there's a, the radio cut, right? Radio cuts four minutes and change, hmm. I think. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. We were talking about Silence of the Lambs. Right. It's a good one. What a masterpiece. What a it really is. And didn't uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, he won Best Actor for that, I believe. And did I remember hearing that no, he, of everybody who's ever won the Best Actor, he his character in that movie had the least amount of screen time? Um, I believe that's Okay. No and Yes. For the actual award for okay. for best actor, I believe so. But for the shortest amount of time, so it was Beatrice Strait who still holds okay. the record for the shortest screen time that won an Academy Award, which was five minutes and forty seconds. Oh wow, impressive! They've changed the rules now that you have to be on screen for a certain amount of time now okay but there's like a whole list of people who won for less than seven minutes of screen time okay sorry less than 20 minutes of screen time the crazy thing about that is he's not even the focus killer in the movie which is no, just he's not. wild yeah but um he ate someone's liver with some fava beans and a nice chianti yeah so anthony hopkins who i have met and i was terrified to meet because he he's one of those people that's such a star that you don't know what to say or do around him. Yeah. And I was supposed to be talking to him in a scene in Westworld. And uh, he walked up to me and he's like, good morning, dear. And I'm like, <laughs> and then the please, director. Please don't eat my spleen. The director walked up to me and him and put his hand on my shoulder and his other hand on Anthony Hopkins' shoulder. And I'm like, we're creating a circuit. <laughs> <laughs> but Anthony Hopkins like was so nice he preferred on westworld to be called tony such a great guy just really nice but yeah his performance won him the best actor award for 16 minutes or less of screen time yeah like he was in the movie for less than 20 minutes but he made every second of it count so oh, he, he, he literally ate it up and left no crumbs <laughs> i see what you did there uh the number four grossing movie was city slickers the first one Oh, I love that. I'm oh late. <laughs> I'm late. Is that Yardley Smith? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And Billy Crystal with evidence that he was a Mets fan at one point. He's yep. Just saying. The rest of the top 10 was the original Adams Family. Such a great Home Alone. Such a great Oh, my God. Wow. Dances with Wolves, Sleeping with the Enemy, Hook, and The Naked Gun, Two and a Half. Okay, I have Rounding seen out the list. I have seen all of those except for Sleeping with the Enemy, but that filmed in South Carolina, didn't it? Didn't mom get the extras for it? Yes, she did. I'm going to tell you something to show you how much things have changed. I have seen the top 16 of these movies. Mm. Have you? The top 16, everyone I just named, I have seen and I saw the next six too. 
I'm <laughs> very impressed by that. It's like your golden age. That's that's seriously yeah. like all the movies that you've watched. So pretty much, yeah. Uh, number eleven, we get our first animated feature, that being Beauty and the Beast. Nice. Followed by Cape Fear, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Backdraft, Star Trek Six. Hot shots. Then you get to one I haven't seen, Antarctica. I don't even know what that is. Neither do I. I mean, I. I know it's a, I know it's a frozen continent, but I can't help you much beyond that. The highly underrated. What about Bob? That's a fun one. Yeah. My girl and Father of the Bride. I oh, Father of the Bride. I have not seen Father of the Bride, but I will tell you, like I it. don't know how many times I've watched My Girl in the theater. Travis, do you have any idea how many times it's, I've it, watched I it? It was an obscene number. It's double digits, and you cried every single time. Okay, because. He was stung by bees, and she was like, where are his glasses at? Where are his glasses at? What What a year for Macaulay Culkin. Oh my God. Without his glasses. God. <laughs> and that's that's a, actually a really good point, Will. What What a year for Macaulay Culkin, because Home Alone also. He cleaned up. Um, now, I'm going to. I'm going to drop down to that's that was the top 20. I'm going to drop down to number 40, but I'm doing it for a particular reason, because that's the first place that you find a traditional. Now, Talents of Lambs certainly be considered a horror movie, oh, but T, traditional. Can I, can I interrupt you for one second sure. for something about Silence of the Lambs? Sure. That I find pure genius that no one really ever seems to find. OK, mm. now what's one of the famous lines from Silence of the Lambs? Oh, I know. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. What do you think it is, T? I'm not going to say one that I almost said because it's really, it's really. <laughs> well, what's the famous line from the movie? I ate Are you his, asking me? I ate his liver. I, I ate his liver with some fava yeah. beans and a nice Chianti. Okay, so he's actually making a medical joke there. He's actually revealing something about how his mental state is. Okay, not the fact that he ate someone's liver. Okay, but he would be treated with drugs called okay monomine oxidized inhibitors maoi inhibitors okay as a psychiatrist hannibal lecter knows that and you know what there are when you're on you know what you can't do when you are on maoi inhibitors alcohol right you can't eat liver you can't eat beans and you can't drink wine so he's either a cracking a joke for his own amusement or b saying that he is not taking his medication and that is one of the two friggin genius well, he was given that the character is so super intelligent it could be either it could it could have been yeah. the former actually yeah yeah but the fact is like that joke gets lost on us because we're not medical students but and we're dumb and we're stupid so yep. that. um i'm dropping down to number 40 but i'm doing it for a particular reason uh, silence of lambs obviously has horror elements but you have to get all the way down to number 40 before you get to the first traditional horror slasher movie. And I guess that shows that their popularity was really starting to wane by this time. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. The, the, because the, that number 40 is where you find Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Well, that's oh, just my. not a good movie. Yeah, no, <laughs> no it was. Let's be honest. But, no. but that's the highest of any ho traditional horror slasher movies. That's the highest grossing one of the year. And it was only the 40th top grossing film of the year. Yeah, I'm going to see because the top 40 films of like 96, uh, it takes, I mean, Independence Day, technically not a horror film. It's more of a disaster film, but it still takes you a while to get to the Ghost in the Darkness. Nope, that, that was a terrible film. It's not. Yeah, Mars Attacks is number 60 of 1996. I was like, well, I think yeah. it wouldn't happen again until Scream, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, because now that's. That's a pretty, pretty high-grossing film. The West Raven, okay. though. Now, 
I'm going to, this is a quick exercise just to let you flex your moron muscles <laughs> off your, your ridiculous cinephile encyclopedic knowledge. I'm going to read, start at the bottom. Now I'm not going to start at the very bottom because there were, there was one movie that grossed $878 and I'm going to guess you probably never <laughs> seen that one. And there are some that literally made a few thousand. I'm going to make a million dollars to cut off. I'm going to start, and that was uh, the 180th <laughs> top grossing movie of the year. I'm going to start there and start going up until you can identify one of them. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Number 180, making just over $1 million, was Meeting Venus. Nope. No. Nothing? Okay. Miss. Up next, we have a movie called Horror. I wonder uh, what it's about. No. Nope. Okay, this is where we're going to blow it. Cool as cool ice. ice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> that was a thing. I hope he did really good things with his residuals. <laughs> the res he builds houses now, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. And then Kafka. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. And mm. Kickboxer 2. The Road Back. Mm. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Please, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, well, is it? Is it? So. Is it? Well, but but you know what, kids? We'll always have cool as ice. Now, yes. <laughs> let's jump back up to the very top. We skipped it for a particular reason. The number one movie of 1991 was Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. What a great movie. Fantastic great movie. What the special effects absolutely blew my mind. I had you watch never it today. seen anything like that. You watch it today, it still holds up. And it, it really still holds does. up. Yeah. Because they used CGI sparingly, and they had a very strong script. Yep. Like, yep. It was a good, this good story. Is, this is the thing. And we just finished watching Loki season two, which has all kinds of, you know, timey-wimey, hibbly-wibbly things that you're just like, I have no idea what's going on right now, but whatever. What's the end scene? Terminator 2 doesn't dig itself into a hole with time travel in that film. Like we're doing here. Yes. Previous sequences. With TJ's time machine. <laughs> Previous sequels, or, you know, like sequels, forthcoming sequels will absolutely completely screw up the timeline but they weren't over reliant on the time travel aspect of it it was what was happening in the here and now they, they dialed back the cgi necessity to just the terminators and it worked the effects were practical for the most part except for of course you know the the liquid mercury kind of stuff that happened but like they used linda's twin sister in sequences like where she's sewing up his head or back that's her twin that's that's not mirror sequence that is a stand-in and linda's sister in right. this in the sequence where they're in the warehouse and the t2 is mimicking her that's her sister right they, they used several sets of twins in that movie yes they did and, and and just looks it looks so good still. It does, and she is one of the most badass chicks in the history of action movies. In of my Sarah opinion. Connor, absolutely. Yes, because also, so. like, here's the thing: in the first film, she was a passive protagonist. Things yeah, happen right. to her; she doesn't move the plot along. Things happen to her. In the second one, she is a active protagonist, and she's. Yep. I mean, and looking badass while doing it. Yep. And tell me, no. Patrick is not one of the greatest movie villains of all time. I mean, when your He's character, terrific. when the your T character, when yeah. your character gets brought back in Wayne's World as a joke, you've, an you've done well. You've done well. There's just an icy coldness about his character, like yeah. an eerie lack of soul, which of course he, he would 
would that would be an accurate portrayal of what he was. Well, so. here's the thing. Do you know that he trained and trained and trained with his gun so that he wouldn't blink when he shot the gun? Hmm. He taught himself how to breathe when running so that he wouldn't look out of breath when he had to sprint. Like wow. he fully trained awesome. to be a machine. Like and that's Well, it, it paid off cuz he was excellent. Now, yeah. one of the biggest bands in the world provided a song for the soundtrack. Guns N' Roses yeah. had exploded onto the scene a few years earlier with their debut album, Appetite for Destruction, which is one of the most critically lauded and best-selling debut albums in history. Now, fans had a, like, kind of, sort of album, GNR Lies, to tide them over after Appetite, but the true follow-up would be the twin releases, Use Your Illusions 1 and 2, which featured this song. <clears throat> now, apparently, the song was actually written, at least partially, in the pre-production phase of work on Appetite. And then was finished up and included on the Use Your Illusions and was the lead track, and it was featured in this movie. This featured a massive cross-promotional opportunity, though, as the movie could benefit from the band's popularity and vice versa. The deal to get it in the movie was apparently struck by Arnold Schwarzenegger himself in a meeting with the band. And they apparently got to see an early cut of the film and said something along the lines of, hell yes, immediately when asked if the song could be used. <laughs> Arnold and some movie clips are both featured in the video. This one hit number two on the rock charts in the United States and went to number one in two other countries. This is Guns N' Roses with You Could Be Mine.
Hey, T, I hate to interrupt you, but we do need to take a short sponsor break. And we're back. I mean, that's just badass. Sorry. That's just a banger. That's when Guns N' Roses would actually show up to their own concerts. <laughs> I mean, not on time, but yeah. And but they would be there eventually. They're eventually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is just... And that's a, to me, it's almost a little bit of a forgotten banger off that album. Kind of is. Everybody remembers, you know, November Rain and Don't, you know, and don't Cry. And, well, to be fair, the crop um, is very strong. I mean... Some of the other stuff, but that, I mean, to me, that right there, that's that's one of the kind of underrated tracks on the album, on, on the albums. And do, do you want a fun fact? Fun fact. Yes, we want a fun fact. All right. So there's actually a nod to Guns N' Roses in the first sequence where the Terminator meets Edward Furlong. When he, I vaguely remember this. He's holding a box and he opens <laughs> up the box and he pulls out his gun. And within that box is a gun and a dozen roses. So it's nice. Guns and Roses. So when he pulls it out of the box to shoot the Terminator, when, you know, the T-800 goes to shoot the T-1000, yep. it is a box of Guns and Roses. Okay. James Cameron. Too All sure. right. Well done. So we took a look at some of the top movies of 1991. Now let's look at the top-ranked TV shows. The number one show is a show that's still on, and it was on about 20 years before this, that being 60 Minutes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that it put a, it just ahead of a show that is now running uh, in a rebooted form, that being Roseanne. Oh, wow. It's gone through It's gone through two different reboots now at this point, right? Through a couple of different iterations, it has. Mm -hmm. uh, that was followed by Murphy Brown. Oh, my God. I remember Murphy Brown. Um, who was not too far away from getting in a prolonged pissing match with Dan Quayle. <laughs> <laughs> Candace Bergen? Candace Bergen and the show I mean, itself, yeah. I yeah. mean, sorry, me too, Murphy Brown. Right. Me too. I mean, I... Um, the number number four was is one of my favorite shows ever, and what I would argue is perhaps the best sitcom of all times, that being Cheers. Yeah. It's a strong one, yeah. Followed by Coach, which I loved. I loved Coach. Oh, oh, can I give you a fun fact? Yes, fun you can fact. give us a fun fact. This is a kind of obscure one. So I used to do a radio show called the Piedmont Pickham Show. Where we, it was plausibly about football, but it was basically just an excuse for us to be stupid and make you know pecker jokes and stuff like that, and have drunk people call us from you know the Clemson tailgate, <laughs> from the Clemson parking lot. I mean, like totally smashed people calling us from the Clemson from Clemson's parking lot. We had a sponsor that was, it was a pizza shop that was up, up in the foothills. Of the Wait, mountain. you had sponsors for that show? We actually, yeah, we had sponsors <laughs> and, and everything. And at one point, Pam Stone, who was one of the stars of Coach, came in there to eat. And before leaving, asked the owner if he would be sponsoring the Piedmont Pick'em show again that year, that she was looking forward to listening to it. Aww, that's amazing. Like, really. Nice. You have, she, a, you have a fan fan. She's into like equestrian stuff and she writes like newspaper columns and stuff. Now she's really funny, really, really funny lady. But anyway, she was on coach. Then you had home improvement, designing women, full house. Here's one you've probably forgotten about. Major dad. Yeah. And murder. She wrote. That was, that was Craig T. Nelson, but major dad was Gerald. McRaney. Yes. Thank you. Both yep, yep. of them, though, both of them, very strong looking men, like, 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 yeah, Major Dad, Grandma watched that. Yes, she did. And loved it. Absolutely loved it. Now, there were some 
Hallmark shows that saw their end in the 1991-1992 season, including the Cosby show. It, it was in its its last season. It was now running head to head against The Simpsons, by the way, and it, its ratings had fallen oh, significantly. Mm, okay. Uh, the Golden Girls was in its final season. Oof. In the heat of the night. Wow. Jake and the Fat Man, Night Court, which has now been rebooted, of course. Which apparently funny reboot, in my opinion. Um, see now, now see some people think it's pretty funny, but I think that's the same people that watch. The Big Bang Theory. Probably. And, and, no, I'm not knocking The Big Bang Theory. It was like on for like 10 years. I'm not knocking it. I've never seen it. So, but I feel I've, like I've that's the seen, same. I've, I've seen a few episodes here and there. I feel uh, like it's also, the same demographic. Also, meeting its end that year, Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, and Dear John. Dear John. Which was Judd Hirsch. Was that Judd Hirsch? Wait, wait. Let me see. Dear John. By the time, the time you, read you read these lines, lines I'll, I'll be gone. gone. Life Featuring goes on. Kirk. Did I miss this one? I do not remember that show. Yeah, it, it was, was a really funny show. It, it was, was on the Thursday night NBC block with Cheers and uh, Wings and Night Court and that that assemblage of talent. It's a it's a guy who gets a Dear John letter and hilarity ensues. I think right. that was pretty much it. There you go. So then. same. Okay. So same game we played with movies. I'm going to start with the lowest rated primetime shows and start reading up until you can recognize one. Okay. Best of the worst. Mm, no. Like one for me. And a lot of these were early Fox shows. You'll understand. Okay. The ultimate challenge. Uh, was that a game show? It's a bit vague. It was a game show. It says, but I, I don't have any recollection of it. I neither do I. You will remember the next one, kind of. It's not a scripted show, but still, Totally Hidden Video. I do remember yes. that one. Yes. I remember that. Uh, the Sunday Comics. Nope. Erie, Indiana. Oh, yeah. Erie, Indiana was like a gateway drug for kids that love horror films now. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I'm not going to have to get to Parker Lewis Can't Lose? Oh, my God. Oh, Parker Lewis. Parker Lewis was like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off television sitcom knockoff. I love that now, show. What a terrible uh, show. I enjoyed it. You. It was it was what it was. It was there were a Enjoyable. lot of those Beans Baxter and Parker <laughs> Lewis Can't Lose and Twenty One Jump Street. Kind of the they're they were good in their cheesiness, I think. Exactly. Some of the early box stuff. Yeah. There's something there. Nineteen ninety one also now this 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 show that debuted this year, it was okay ratings wise, but they kept it around for a couple of years and it did pretty well. And it was, it's kind of a cult classic. And it's a show I love. Do y'all remember Herman's Head? Yes. yes. I do. That was, that was also Yardley Smith. I was just Hank about to Azaria. say. Yes. That was, that was a, really a, strong cast. a freaking great cast. Yes. Yes, it was. Now, a show that was in the top 20 at this point, we read off about the top 10, but it was in the top 20 was a show that came on after Cosby. It was a spinoff of Cosby, A Different World. Yep. Very interestingly, oh, a star of that world. show had a minor hit single in 1991 with Jasmine Guy getting yes. to number 34 on the pop charts and number 27 on the R&B charts with Just Wanna Hold You. Do you remember that? To, she, yeah, and she went on to do Broadway, I think, didn't she? She She's went on to talented. do. She went on yeah. to do "Dead Like Me," which is more important than Broadway. I don't know about no, here. You say that, Dildy is. <laughs> okay, well then that should tell you something. <laughs> no, "Dead Like Me" was great, but yeah, she was extremely talented. Job She's extremely great. talented, and she she did get to number twenty seven on the R and B charts with that song. And there was a really odd mix of old and new on the R and B charts that year, with Michael Jackson actually having the biggest R and B hit of the year with "Black or White." 
Prince was on there, Whitney Houston, Luther Vandross, Teddy Pendergrass, and other established Teddy. stars. But Teddy P uh, from, from South Carolina, by the way. But all those folks had to make a little room for some newcomers like Tevin Campbell, oh. High Five, C.C. Mm. Peniston, In Vogue, mm. and others. Now, there are bigger hits that I could play, but I'm the one fiddling with the doofloches on this theoretical continuum ripping space bullet, so I'm picking something that I want to play. <laughs> this was a top 10 R&B hit, and it was the artist's only top 40 hit, and it also gives me the opportunity to do this. <clears throat> The lightning will flash and the thunder will hover, but don't hide in the basement. Let's hide under the covers. The soothing sounds of the quiet storm are rolling in with Tony Terry's with you on TJ's Procreation Corner or whatever we're calling this thing.
Moving on. All right. <laughs> Moving on. That was definitely some baby making music we just okay, shared with stop, you. And a lot of babies stop, who would grow stop up talking babies, about were born in 1991. Stop, stop saying baby making. I can't. You're don't do Adam and Eve anymore. Um, okay. Uh, among those those famous soon to be famous babies born in 1991 were Ed Sheeran. Hey. All right. Jamie Lynn Spears. Um okay. Offset, I guess is a rapper. I'm old and don't really know some of these folks. Emma Roberts, Betty Wop. Yeah, we is know that how you say it? We know Emma Roberts. Okay. Um, Young Thug, yep. Louis Tomlinson, The Baby, Kawhi Leonard, and scary defensive lineman man beast Aaron Donald. Okay. Um, I don't know who that wow. is, but the other names are pretty familiar. Yeah. Okay. Now, unfortunately, we lost some greats that year as well. Actor Brad Davis, who was in a miniseries called Chiefs, which was filmed in the hometown of LD and I, Chester, South Carolina. Yep. Um, he played Sonny Butts. He died from complications of AIDS early in the year. We also lost the great Miles Davis. Tennessee Ernie Ford, whose song 16 Tons was one of the top-selling records of all times, by the way. Comedian and actor Red Fox, who looked 70 when he starred in Sanford and Son in the 1970s, Actually, didn't even make it to his 70th birthday, believe it or not. Oh, wow. He was and eternal. he died in 1991. Musician Stan Getz is best known in the jazz world, but he was part of a late 80s hit single called Small World by Huey Lewis and the News. He played the, the uh, sax solo that you hear in it. Promoter Bill Graham, who we just discussed in our Dwayne Allman series, died in 1991. Yeah. So did actor Michael Landon, who you would know from Highway to Heaven and Little House on the Prairie. Oh, Michael Landon. Oh, I mean, come on. Wait, wait, did we already move away from musicians? Nope. Okay. We'll be... Okay. Okay. Because there's one. Yes. Actor Michael Landon, Temptation singer David Ruffin, actor Lee Remick, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, and country singer Dottie West all passed in 1991 as well. Then we have the one that retroactively hit this crew the hardest, that of course being iconic Queen frontman Freddie Mercury. Oh, God. Now, in a move. That would be mimicked by other artists later. He essentially said goodbye to the world in his band's album that dropped that year, Innuendo, in general. And in the video for These Are the Days of Our Lives specifically. Yeah. Um, someone like Freddie never really goes away, though. And just months after his death, Queen's music got an enormous boost in popularity from the inclusion of the song Bohemian Rhapsody in the Wayne's World movie. Sales took off. Bohemian Rhapsody ended up getting back to number two on the U.S. charts. And that would carry forward all the way to the present, with the Bohemian Rhapsody movie being a mammoth worldwide hit just a couple of years ago. Yep. We actually did a whole episode on just the movie. On just that movie. A few stories that grabbed headlines in 1991 included the ceasefire that ended the short-lived Persian Gulf War as the, quote, mother of all battles promised by Saddam Hussein manifested itself in his soldiers literally running up to journalists and surrendering to them. European countries ended sanctions against South Africa as apartheid laws were repealed on June the 5th. The Soviet Union broke up after President Mikhail Gorbachev and his giant head woggle resigned. Stateside, Professor Anita Hill accused Judge Clarence Thomas, who was offered as a candidate for the U.S. Supreme Court, of sexual harassment. And that brought about Senate floor discussions of pubic hair on Coke cans and the esteemed gentleman, Long Dong Silver. Oh, Lacey. And... What a great look, by the way, having Fritz Hollings and Jesse Helms discuss j big giant danglings. Yeah, they're that's there's, what the world needs. Yep. 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 The U.S. minimum wage was four dollars and twenty-five cents at that point. I had just gotten a raise because I had a minimum wage job. 
And the U.S. national debt was under $4 trillion, which is probably the annual interest on the debt now. Uh, album of the Grammys was Back on the Block by Quincy Jones, and Record of the Year was, Will, could you cover all these years real quick? Uh, I'll do my best. Another Day in Paradise by Phil <laughs> I heard that. Um, I will say Best New Artist, which has had a very dodgy history, actually went to somebody who deserved it, who would have staying power, that being Mariah Carey. Mm. Then I could find there were no awards that year given to Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Take it away, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Tom McGuinness, and that was your federally mandated Manfred Mann reference of the podcast. I hope you are satisfied. We are, Tom. We are. Always. We're never not satisfied. Every Dances time. with Wolves won the Best Picture Oscar. Just for you, LD, I looked this up. The top musical that year at the Tonys was The Will Rogers Follies. Okay. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's had a revival since then, but I, I, I know Follies has, but The Will Rogers Follies, I don't know. No, it hasn't. So. Not since okay. then, L.A. Law was the top drama at that year's awards, and this is, this is for you, Will. The Giants beat the Bills. In the 1991 Super Bowl, with Scott Norwood missing a 47-yard field goal in the final seconds. Wide right. Wide right. Wide right. Do you remember the who the starting quarterback was for the Giants? Was not their starter most of the season. Yeah, because it was everyone was freaked out going into the Super Bowl. It was supposed to be Phil Simms, and then he got injured. It was Jeff Hostetler, if I'm not mistaken. Hoss. Yeah, from Minnesota, I think. And nobody wanted him to play. Like, the Giants fans were like, we're screwed. Like, this is over. <laughs> and he had and a, they, and he had a great game. And he, he did. He, he played very well. got them through the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. And the Giants um, have never changed their attitude since. Right. Much. Whitney Houston performed her famous and very lauded version of the National Anthem at that year's game. The halftime entertainment was a small world salute to 25 years of the Super Bowl by Disney. <sighs> Wait, but didn't the New Kids on the Block perform that year? With New Kids mm -hmm. on the Block and yes. Warren Moon, which is I, an odd Moon. I remember we were living in our house on Cortland Street, weren't we? And I was yep. running around. I was running around that the house, going New Kids on the Block, block New Kids Correct. on the Block. Yep, that was me. By the way, the halftime entertainment was preempted on TV by Peter Jennings delivering updates on the ongoing Gulf War. Some affiliates carried the halftime show on a tape-delayed basis after the Super Bowl, while others went with the debut episode of something called Davis Rules, which lasted a season and a half. The wow. Braves lost the World Series to the Twins in seven games, and I'm still mad at Lonnie Smith over deked out of his jock at second base and costing us the World Series, but I'm not bitter. Uh, <laughs> the Penguins won the Stanley Cup. Duke defeated Kansas for the college basketball national title, and we had a dumbass split national football champion between Miami and Washington, although that would beat what we have this year. There was a song that hit number two on the U.S. charts that year that actually talked about world-changing news events and seeing history made firsthand. Oh, Will so, hates this song. Yeah, I know where this is going. This is Jesus Jones. Oh. right here, right now. Not the one I thought you were going to say.
So Will has to go because he has got a appointment that he has to keep with his guitar coach. And so he's going to say goodbye right now. And it's just going to be me and TJ too. For he the- fell out of the time machine. Yep. He got sucked into the time space continuum and he's gone. He's now back in, in the 20- void. He's back in 2023. We'll see you again, honey. Love you. Bye. Yeah, it's been real, everybody. Stay golden, pony boys and pony girls. What was the, was it 2010, the space movie? No, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Is that what you're talking about? There was a sequel to it. Oh, was there? Did not yeah. know that. And there was a part where the astronaut who was not going to be able to return to Earth was already dead, but he was talking to his wife. It's kind of that's kind of what just happened here. Would have okay. would have helped if I'd have known what movie it was. It made a much smoother transition. Anyway, <laughs> you tried, buddy. You tried. I gave it. A, this is what happens when I try to get into movies. So, <laughs> lastly, we come to a huge change in the music world. Now, you've discussed this over time. I have too since I joined the show. The Billboard album chart had always essentially been an unscientific poll. It was, in truth, a random sampling of record stores. So it was in no way accurate ever, since bigger record stores in metropolitan areas would likely have been oversampled and more likely to be polled than a Walmart in Georgia or a truck stop in Alabama where a lot of, let's just say, country music was sold. You could also have record store owners or clerks either having foggy memories about what music had been sold that week, they might have shown intentional bias against or for certain artists, or they might have, and frequently were, corrupted. Because essentially, payola took place Yep. Um, so record companies or their promoters could build artificial hype around a release to help boost sales. Now, SoundScan was introduced in 1991 in March, and it was fully operational by later in the year, and it demonstrated some things. Namely, that people really like country, heavy metal, and rap, all of which had likely had their numbers lowballed for a good many years. Now, oh, yeah. the first, do you know, okay, here's a fun fact. Fun fact. Can you name the first number one album of the SoundScan era? Harry Belafonte. He, he's not going to change his name because you're the one who sucks. Really, it was Huey, oh no, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton's time, love, and tenderness. Michael but Bolton. also wow. in the top five that first week were Garth Brooks's No Fences and the soundtrack to New Jack City, which was a little bit of a warning shot for what was to come. Before the end of the year, number one albums would be released by Skid Row, NWA, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Garth Brooks, and Van Halen. So let's hear something from Garth's Rope in the Wind album, which spent eight non-consecutive weeks at number one after the advent of SoundScan, selling at least 175,000 copies in each of those weeks. This is a remake of a song that was just an album cut from Billy Joel's Stormfront album with his future wife, Trisha, singing in the background. Here's Garth with Shameless. Such a good song. I'm shameless When it comes to loving you I'll do anything you want me to I'll do anything at all And I'm standing Here for all the world to see Oh baby, that's what's left of me I don't have very far to fall You know now I'm not a man Who's ever been insecure about the world I've been living in don't break easy, I have my pride But if you need to be satisfied I'm shameless Honey, I don't have a prayer 
I mean, we talk about covers that are better than the original. I'm going to have to say yeah. that is definitely in my pantheon of covers that are better than the original. I like it. I like I like Billy's Joel's version a lot, too. I do think I prefer Garth's. And you know what? I think Trish is what sets it off. It is. Because you can feel she the is chemistry. Just, just shredding it vocally in the background. Yeah, it's incredible. But that song lends itself to a lot of interpretations, you know, I mean. Billy didn't record it as a country song, but you just read the lyrics and you go like, oh, yeah, I could say how this is country. You know, and I think that's what good songwriters do. You can you can take their words and you can do a lot of different things with them, I would think. Fully agree. Yep. Um, by the way, there were some great albums released in 1991, aside from the couple we've already mentioned. Now, you had somewhat venerable acts like Bonnie Raitt, Rick Ocasek, Bob Dylan, 
and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers putting out albums. You had familiar faces with new bands like Prince's New Power Generation. You had anticipated follow-ups to big breakout albums from the late 80s by Roxette and Paula Abdul. And you had uh, debuts by Brooks and Dunn, Trisha Yearwood, Mr. Bungle, Cypress Hill, Smashing Pumpkins, Jodeci, and Boys to Men. Wow. But I want to take you to a week that you will be hard-pressed to ever top. From September the 17th to September 24th, so seven days, the following releases dropped in 1991. Use Your Illusions 1, Use Your Illusions 2, Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears, Mariah Carey's Emotions, Tom Cochran's Mad Mad World, Ween's The Pod, Lee Crew's Decade of Decadence, Nirvana's Nevermind, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Whoa. Waking Up the Neighbors by Brian Adams, Ceremony by Whoa. the Cult, and The Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest. Holy Damn. crap. A week. And that's back when CDs were like $30 a pop, man. How did we spend our money? That's, that is so much. There's, we don't have that much good music in a year now. We don't. We, might we really get, don't. Think about some get, of the titles I just read you. That is crazy. We might get some good singles, but full albums like that? Full Usually albums are not one and two alone. Anymore. But just think about what I Never mind and Use Your Illusions and Waking Up the Neighbors and Emotions. And I mean, holy crap. Yeah. Yep. That was a week. That was one week. It's a hell of a week, man. Now, as for how we end TJ's time machine. We started at the beginning, and so we end at the end? Wrong, smarty pants. As you return your seat to its full upright position and return to present day, remember who is diddling this era-jumping doogamajiggy. In a time machine, ultimately, you end up right back where you started from. So I'm going to let LD hit our socials, and then we're going to actually pivot all the way back to January 1st. Okay. All right. So... If you like what we're doing, especially here, because this is kind of awesome, it's new, let me know what you think. Here are our socials. If you do like what we're doing and you think it's worthy of money, you can uh, go over to patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven and become a Patreon. We would absolutely appreciate that. Anything that you donate goes directly back into the show with like, you know, our books that we use for, what do you call that, research? Yeah, that stuff. It goes to editing suites and all that good stuff. Why it goes not to just use TJ's time machine? And it, and it also goes to our wonderful editor, Michael DeVestia. I'm hoping I'm saying that right, but, you know, that's where the money goes. So you would be doing us a solid if you became a Patreon. Plus, we are we got several tiers that are really cool, including stuff like Thea's Not Dead Yet podcast that is, you know, going to be exclusive on Patreon for the first two weeks before it does get released. So if you want to get that early, we also have other things like shout outs choose the subject choose the host all that kind of stuff so again anything that you'd like to donate you absolutely can we will not stop you and you can do that at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven if you want to hook us up on twitter or x or whatever it's called now don't bother we're there but we haven't posted well over almost two years in april i believe it's going to be two years but if you go over to our instagram at rock and roll heaven lt you will get updated stuff almost daily thanks to both will the thrill and admin thea posting on that but the glory does go to Admin Thea on Facebook at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod, who is on top of her stuff over there. Also, TJ2 is a very big contributor. I do it sometimes. It wasn't really on Facebook anymore. So, uh, you know, good for him. But our website, still not going to say it. You can look it up if you want in the show notes. It hasn't been updated in almost four years. So, 
that's awesome. You can also check out our TikTok at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod, and you can email us at Rock and Roll Heaven LT at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all our awesome other awesome Pantheon podcast, pantheonpodcast.com. Woo! And guys, my candles are now in my Etsy store, and Christmas is coming. So if you would like to order some candles, they are all movie themed candles. And that's in my Etsy shop. I also have some other cosmetic stuff that I haven't put up there yet. We'll be getting up there this week. I will put that in the show notes. But it is CinemaSense Candle Company. And you can find me on Etsy there. They make great gifts. And if I don't have your movie and you want them, I do special orders as well. So, TJ, should I say goodbye to people right now? Sure. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for checking this episode out. Please make sure to check out the next episode. We'll be doing the birthday slap nuts of Admin Thea. Other than that, I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and we will see you on the next episode. TJ, take me home tonight, because I don't want to let you go till we see the light. That wasn't 1991, but good try. The first album noted as having been released in 1991 was Slimy Courageous by one of my very favorite bands, Driving and Crying. So that's what we're going to go out with. We started at the beginning, and we're ending there. Here is Driving and Crying with the Innocent. Good night from TJ's Time Machine and Rock and Roll Heaven. With the people of these united rights in order to form a more perfect union, find that we find the common ground have absolutely nothing in common at all. Get used to it.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.